You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. This week, we're joined by a very special guest, Robin Lumberg of Sports Illustrated and Mad Dog Sports Radio. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing tonight? I'm very I'm good, special. Robin. What's going on? Sorry, go ahead, Robin. I'm, I'm very special. That, that's, that's how I'm doing. No, how am I doing tonight? Like, I'm sweating. This is Target sweat. I was, at, I was at Target running around trying to get all this stuff together and make it back for a back-to-school night and then make the kids dinner, or two back-to-school nights, in fact, then make the kids dinner, then get down here in time to turn on the Jets. So I apologize if my appearance is a little off, but that, this, is, this is that, you know, that, that good Target sweat. <laughs> we love it. Steven can relate to the kid stuff. I, I don't have any kids, so Definitely. you guys can talk about that. I hear you. Yeah, the target sweat, that's uh, that's dad talk, so that's awesome, man. Um, Robin, super excited to have you on the show, man. So let's just kick it off real easy. What are your thoughts on the Jets through two weeks, and specifically what do you uh, what you saw last Sunday with Zach Wilson? Well, I mean, look, the Jets stink. Uh, let, let's, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. And Zach Wilson, that's the tougher one, because you know what he's dealing with? the the ghost of Jets quarterbacks past, right? Because it's not just he's the fact that he's a rookie quarterback and a rookie quarterback might tend to struggle. I feel like that would be given a little bit more leeway if he wasn't the Jets rookie quarterback. But because he's the Jets rookie quarterback and you saw Sam Darnold didn't work out and he goes to Carolina, he's playing a little bit better in Carolina. Uh, Mark Sanchez has the, the butt fumble. Geno Smith. I don't even remember the stuff that happened with Geno Smith, but I know stuff happened with Geno Smith. And and on and on down the line, the Jets have basically been looking for a quarterback since man landed on the moon, right? Uh, Zach Wilson is, it has, you know, it's not like Trevor Lawrence has been better. Nope. I, I think he has the same number of interceptions as Wilson does, but you, you hear more about the Wilson thing because it's like, ha ha, Jets, right? Um, I, you know, I think anytime... He's a quarterback struggles. Jets fans are going to get nervous about it. The thing with him is there are a couple clear, tangible things that he just has talent, right? Like his arm strength, he has arm talent. He can move around, all that stuff. So you hope that, you know, that eventually gets taken care of as the infrastructure is built around him as that gets better. But, you know, the, the Jets were bad, which is why they got to get Zach Wilson and they really haven't gotten any better so he is going to look bad. You just hope he does not remain bad. Yeah, I, I think you've hit on a lot of good points. And, you know, as someone who's worked in the in New York, the New York area, specifically on the radio, you've dealt with angry Jets fans, I'm sure, for many years and totally understand where our heads are at. For me, it's like, you know, it's it's like you said, it's we're basically scarred to always seeing bad quarterback play until the guy comes along. Basically, the Jets are now the Browns because the Browns are actually competent. So we essentially – we need to start looking like how the Browns are, are starting to look in order for everyone to stop getting on Zach Wilson. 
And I agree with you. Trevor Lawrence has been pretty much the same. I mean, his teams have gotten blown out two straight games. He has thrown a lot of interceptions. I mean, they're all comparing him to Mac Jones, but I'm like, Mac Jones basically is playing football with training wheels. I was unimpressed. I was at the game on Sunday and I was like, he just did whatever they told him to do, which was like dump off the ball. It wasn't taking deep shots and he just protected the ball. But like Zach was playing a little more recklessly. Um, so Robert, I'm just curious, you know, Robert Sala is obviously his first year. He's going to see a lot of things that are, he's not used to because he was a defensive coordinator. I'm curious, you know, what your overall impressions of him have been so far through two games and really like what your thoughts were on him before the jets really hired him because he really was like a well-regarded defensive coordinator. So I'm curious what you thought of him. Yeah. He comes from a good pedigree from a good, you know, structure. I like his demeanor. I like the way he carries himself. Right. Um, schematically and all that I, I i can't really tell you um yeah. you know we don't have enough of a sample size of him in-game coaching either uh same thing goes for the coach that goes for the quarterback too right like the difference again to, to go to the zach wilson trevor lawrence comparison two reasons why it hasn't been the the same level of attention one jacksonville jaguars nobody really cares two <laughs> urban meyer is a shield Right, like he's yes. going to be the first person that gets the the critique, and because people don't like Urban Meyer, um, the Jets coach is is not nobody to people. Right, like you know, you got people googling his name. How do you spell it? S A L E H. Right, <laughs> you know, so like it doesn't uh, affect and impact in that way. But that doesn't matter for his long term future. There, I, I think, you know, there are probably plenty of good coaches who have lost their jobs because they were not in good situations. Todd Bowles, you know, he got a lot of heat when I was doing uh, New York Sports Talk Radio. And I'm not saying he's perfect, but he looks pretty damn good in his new job, right? Which is probably going to lead. It is different, (laughs) but I think it will probably lead to him getting another head coaching job. And did he do such a terrible job with the Jets? I mean, I I guess I I picture seven and nine when I picture Todd Bowles, right? Like, and (laughs) the new job. I don't don't know what what the the records (laughs) actually were. I'd have to go research it. But point being is, I, I'm sure the NFL history is littered with good coaches who were in bad circumstances. Bill Belichick, Cleveland yep. Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I don't know if you can, you know, judge solely off the record in the first year or two. And the problem is sometimes when the record is bad after a year or two, the coach doesn't get another chance. Um, but when I when I look at um Salah, uh Robert Salah, I think of um somebody who just carries himself well. Seems like he's a bright, sharp guy. Seems like he it, it has a steady demeanor, a steady hand. I don't like these coaches who come in talking like they're going to, you know, about biting kneecaps off and, and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm not like the rah-rah, you know, like kind of thing. So I, I like him. Um, that's my blink test. That's my, like, uh, you know, instant reaction. I, I don't know how that bodes for his his long-term future. But if you're telling me, do I do I think he appears to be a competent uh, head coach and, and a, a sturdy purveyor of um, a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I think Robin, you're, you're making a lot of good points here. And I think that's something we brought up on the show before is the jets have a history of doing these kind of pendulum swings from coach to coach, especially when it comes to just their personality types. If you look back on it from Mangini to Rex and then Rex to Bowles and then Bowles to Gaze, there's, you know, so, but right now I really do feel that Sal is kind of right down the middle where he's, he's fiery, but in like a, a good way, not like a Rex type of way or a Dan Campbell, like you mentioned. So um, I do think that we're still excited about Sal. I think two games is, you know, you're not going to make or break uh, 
uh, in that. And there's obviously a lot left to prove, but I would like to ask you about uh, the guy who hired Salah, which is Joe Douglas. So now we're seeing him really year three into this uh, with two full off seasons to build this. I mean, offensive line looked putrid week one, looked to be improved week two. That's kind of his thing, right? What he was touted to, to do. What are your thoughts on Joe Douglas here after, you know, after these first two weeks and going into really year three, um, and when does the seat start getting hotter for him? When do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, this is the problem. You can't keep churning regimes out, you know, and spitting them out. Like, I mean, it, or else you're going to be stuck in that uh, endlessly. I, I think three years, though, should be enough of a sample size to say whether you think somebody is doing a, a good job, right, or, or is heading in, in the right direction. So you want to see some strides from from this team this year. I mean, you don't want to be having you know him be making draft picks at the top of the draft every single season because the, the the team needs to improve but if you do look at the jets i'll ask you guys like what do you say the jets are above the board at like what what where do you feel good about their roster situation like defense defensive line, line. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it and, and, and i, I like, would i would say that i feel i feel probably like top half of the league wide receiver group yeah, I well, think when healthy, injuries, we need to see true. them all together and then we can make true. that evaluation. But on paper, yes. But unequivocally defensive line, yes. There are, you know, for like the casual fan, how many Jets do you think the casual fan can name? Not many. Right yeah, not, not many, many, right? Like so, yeah. and then that doesn't necessarily translate because football is, you know, a lot of the, the people you don't know who are having, a, you know, an effect on the line, stuff like that. But yeah, I would say by the end of this year, you would hope you have a pretty good idea of, of what this guy has done. Now he did make some moves that would, you know, uh, load the cupboard up for the future and, and that kind of stuff. So you, you want to um, have a little bit of patience and, and you can't just keep doing this over and over yeah. again. And you are dealing now with a, a, another new coach too, right? Like, so you don't want the, the, you know, you want to give the coach a chance. You want to give the quarterback a chance. So I would probably, that probably extends his job security. I would say through next season, yeah. Um, but beyond that, I mean, eventually you, you, you need results, but I would say he probably because of the, the turnover at QB and coach has <clears throat> this year and then, you know, at least part of next year. So it's interesting you, you bring that up. And the reason I would say he may actually have an extra year. And the, and the reason I say that is he was hired after the draft and free agency in 2019. So that team, even though he was the general manager when the season started, it really wasn't his team. The only additions he really did were the stuff that happened right before the season, like in training camp. Like he signed Ryan Khalil to be the center, which was a terrible move. So it's really like two years and like a little because that draft class is not his. He only has two draft classes and two free agency classes. And right now his first draft class in 2020 is not looking very good. It's like – yeah, I mean, Mekhi Beckton, we've seen flashes, but he's been a liability from a health standpoint. They have a good cornerback in Bryce Hall, it seems, so far. They had a punter. He's hurt, and, you know, it's I don't really know if you want to give him credit for a punter because it's not, like, the most important position in football, but it does matter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Denzel Mims, which is the one topic that Jeff fans are talking about, I'm sure you've seen on Twitter because you probably interact with a lot of New York people. He was a second-round pick. He was inactive this past game. And, you know, like, what's the problem here? Like, he should be playing, especially when someone like Jameson Crowder, who's a starter, was out. And it's it's frustrating because you really want to see what these players can do. And these are his guys. There's no more like, you know, this is the Mike McCagden roster. It's not – it's not – like, he can't use that excuse anymore. So now it's like the pressure is starting to go on Joe Douglas. I mean, you got to hope that this year's class buys him some time. And so far there's a bunch of starters. You would think that it has. 
And, well, and also, let's be real about it. What's really going to determine it? Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if Zach Wilson is good, he keeps the job forever. If Zach Wilson is bad uh, and the, the Jets, you know, <laughs> I don't know how long you, you can determine that or d- wait to decide that. I think you'll have a pretty good idea by next season, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if we're being honest, you'll have a pretty good idea by next season. Um, that will determine his job security because that's, that's the pick. Yeah, no, it's yeah. quarterbacks are everything. That's literally like what makes or breaks a general manager. You can get all the pieces right except the quarterback, and then you're, you know, you're basically in no man's land. You're on a treadmill. You are, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the comparison in sports, but like you're basically like, I guess, like the eighth seed in basketball. Like you're making the playoffs, but you're really not doing anything. And, yeah. and he had the chance. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like you're talking about a reach or anything like that. He was sitting there with the, the number two pick. You knew exactly who was going number one the whole time. So there was no mm-hmm. like mystery. You know, you were basically on the clock the entire offseason. So you get you and, and it was a, a quarterback heavy draft. You, you mm-hmm. get to pick your guy right um, out of uh, out of Wilson and Lance and, and Jones and, and uh, Fields. So yeah. that that's got to hit for him. That yeah. That's his yeah. job pretty much comes down to that. No, and you're right. I think something that's interesting, too, is, I mean, uh, granted, it was a different situation because Woody was over in, in England. Um, but the Jets really, the, the ownership turned over the keys to the franchise to Joe Douglas. They really let him take the reins on this and run point on it from top to bottom. So he made the decision on Sam. He made the decision on Salah. Yeah, John, you know, Christopher Johnson and Heine L. High, they were involved, but they really are placing their trust in Joe Douglas. So to your guys' point, yeah, Stephen, I think you're probably right that there's a third year in there where he gets some wiggle room, but it does come down to Zach Wilson next year. The jets are four and 13 and Zach Wilson looks terrible. We could be having a different conversation, but if they're vying for a playoff spot and he looks the part, then yes, absolutely. I mean, Joe Douglas, the job is secure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was going to ask you, Robin, just like your thoughts on Wilson. You kind of mentioned that you think he has some, you know, tangibles and some traits that definitely look like, you know, a legit NFL quarterback, but I'm curious, like what your thoughts on him were to the other quarterbacks that the Jets could have taken, obviously not Trevor Lawrence, because we had never had a chance of him. And he's considered like the consensus, like Andrew Luck type prospect that you see once every like 10 years. So I'm curious, like, were you like sold that he should have been the number two pick? Were you more in the like the camp of Justin Fields? Because as someone who really liked Justin Fields, I that's kind of who I wanted the Jets to take when I realized they were not going to pick picking number one because they decided to win two meaningless games with Adam Gase. I'm just curious where your head was at going into the draft. Well, one thing I, I try to pride myself on a little bit is knowing what I know and knowing what I don't know and not pretending that I know more than I do about certain things. I'm not a quarterback scout, right? Yeah. Like uh, college college football is not my forte necessarily. These people are, are paid a lot of money and spend a lot of time to do this. So I'm not going to pretend because I watched some guy in a game, you know, a Big Ten game. Oh, yeah, Justin Fields had a, a good game uh, that I, <laughs> you know, I know better. But from what I just see, you know, um, I was never big on Trevor Lawrence, at least to the level that he's been sold at. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see a transcendent talent. I, I feel like it just like we've been saying that for years and um, it just had to be and they were forced to take him. I'm not saying he'll be bad or terrible or anything, but. I never saw it. Even at Clemson, I never saw like, oh, wow. What's I mean, because he's tall and has blonde hair. Um, You know, like, I I don't know exactly what that was. So I I thought in a sense, the Jets were in a really fortunate situation there because uh, you didn't have to deal with the the possibility of of that, the the Mm -hmm. expectations there. And you got to sort of hand pick your guy. Uh, As far as the others are concerned, um, again, Fields probably 
had the biggest showcase other than yeah. Jones, who wasn't pegged as a prospect like that. I think Jones has the highest floor. You know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, in, from what I've seen both in the preseason and, and in college and, and now in the, you know, in the regular season, I think, you know, you're going to get steady hand from, from Mac Jones. He, uh, does, he's like Alex Smith to me. That's what I see. He doesn't overwhelm you with his talent, but he won't mess the game up. It's like, he'll do the right things but he's not going to elevate the team is what I've seen. I mean, listen, I don't know. He did win the national championship. Yeah. I mean, it's been two games in the Patriots offense too. So that's what he's being asked to do right now. So it's kind of hard to fully tell, but yeah. Yeah. And then there's the two guys who none of us really saw that much of, you know, if we're in, unless you're like really seriously into this and that's Lance and Wilson, right. Because of where they played. And obviously Lance didn't really play. Um, I, uh, you know, sometimes I make these decisions based on little things, but I interviewed Trey Lance uh, and I really liked the way he conducted himself in the interview. Uh, I've seen obviously highlights and, and the like, um, and the fact that the 49ers traded what they traded for him and he's in a good situation. Like yes. I think the combination of all those things makes me a Trey Lance believer. Uh, Zach Wilson, that pro day throw. I mean, <laughs> Look, that, that, I know that's, you know, you can't get carried away over something like that, but that is something that shows you, all right, physically there is talent there. Yes. Um, and there's a level of mobility. I, I wonder sometimes about, you know, again, did he play the highest level of competition? Um, you know, it you, you can't see in, in a pro day throw how you'll read defenses, how you'll deal with adversity, all that other stuff that goes into being a quarterback. I think he has raw physical talent. Uh, the question, does he have the other stuff that that's what we're going to see. And you, you also have to be able to navigate the rough waters because he's going to have some rough outings. He's going to have some games where he's not protected so much. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to lose my mind over one game with a bunch of interceptions where, you know, one plays tipped or he's trying to force it here and, and, and all that. That's not the end of, uh, of Zach Wilson, but you know, he's got to learn from that. Like he's got to, mm -hmm. he's got to get better in that regard, but just from the sort of like, okay, I'm watching you in my instant takeaway. I think he has more talent than Sam Darnold. I never thought Sam Darnold was that talent. Interesting. Alex, that's usually his MO people like, like Sam Darnold has all these like rare gifts. Like Tony Romo loved him. It sucks that Tony said the same thing about Zach. He's like, he's going <laughs> to, he has like that Patrick Mahomes, like talent. He could get to that strategy very soon. I'm just like, great, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying Darnold's some bum, but but again, it's like Wilson. You can see him move and flip it across the other way, and and it goes like I I, I mean I I, I see uh, high level competence when yes. I see Sam Darnold, not like eye popping talent. And I think Wilson has more of that. Uh, that doesn't mean he's gonna be better. And and you ought to already see what's happened with Darnold when you put him in a better situation, right? Uh, better infrastructure, better run team, all that stuff. You know, you already see what difference that can make, um, whether or not, you know, he's ever going to be, you know, a great quarterback or not. He clearly is better than he was with the Jets already. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. valid points. Um, Steven, you go. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to. So, uh, Robin, I know you got to jump off here soon, but just, uh, you know, what are what are realistic expectations for the Jets for the rest of the way here? What do you what do you foresee? How do you foresee 2021 kind of closing out? Yeah, I mean, I, I would. <laughs> I think realistic expectations, if you're, if you're a fan and you're looking at it from the glass half full uh, perspective, is they get better as the season goes along. I wouldn't worry about the record too much. I would worry about the flashes and, and the progress. You don't want to see 
you know, the, the same team you saw in week one and two in week nine, 10 and 11 or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You want to see Zach Wilson get better. You want to see them get more competitive. Obviously you want to win some games, but I, I think if you're level headed about it, there's no reason, you know, you're not thinking playoffs or anything like that. I, in fact, I mean, probably the worst team in the division, right? Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It just <laughs> no, it's we're not we're not biased. We we know no, we, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> probably the worst team in the division. Um, so I think when when you're in that, but the, you know the 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 good thing about it, and I hate to keep coming back to it, but the quarterback is the hope, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think the 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 better you see from Zach Wilson and the surrounding parts, the the more optimism you have going forward. And if you don't see that from him, it's scary hours. I mean, it's kind of been perpetually scary for Jets fans for you know basically the last ten years since they lost that Pittsburgh AFC Championship game. So yep. can't get much worse, right? Well, and you don't <laughs> want little kids picking out your plays and and tell the straighten them on TikTok <laughs> or whatever, right? That so video if you was have funny. Fewer, oh, no, if you have fewer little kid breakdowns on tiktok then you're going in the right direction <laughs> yes. yeah robin i know you gotta run but uh thank you so much for joining the show and like i said guys robin puts out great stuff make sure you follow him on twitter at robin lumberg and also all this si si content you have unchecked you have si right now and now you know so robin thanks so much for joining us you got it I, and you know i was at the jets uh the green and white scrimmage right so i think they're better than they were then so I'm like, let's hope they, they keep going. <laughs> Baby <laughs> steps. Baby steps. Yeah, that's Definitely. it. Thanks, man. Robin, appreciate we'll talk basketball all this season. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Cool. So, guys, that was Robin Lumberg. Great time. You know, definitely follow him on Twitter, especially if you're a basketball fan, because he's always tweeting about Knicks, Nets. He likes, he gets a lot of Nick fans in his mentions and that's kind of how I discovered him years back. But um, so Steven, you know, we, he's not as much a specific NFL guy he covers all sports, but definitely mm-hmm. top, top um, what's it called? Covers the NFL and NBA really heavily. So we could definitely do more of like, you know, just reactions to the game and thoughts and everything like that. So as someone who was watching on TV, unlike <laughs> me, who was there in the hot sun, sunburnt, you know, drinking some beers, eating some popcorn, 
what, what were your thoughts? I mean, I know where you're going to go first, but what were your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the Jets find them. Like, let's, I'd like to peel it back for a second. I think the Jets and the fa- and their fans find themselves in a weird situation here because the team doesn't care that the fans have been through a decade plus of playoff free and basically inept football. Mm-hmm. And Jets fans don't really care that the Jets don't care about that because, and in, in all honesty, we're really not asking for much. We're just asking for competitive football. So when Zach comes out and has the half that he does against Carolina and things are building and it's the first time the fans are back in the stands since 2019 and it's a new coach, a new quarterback and a new regime and everybody's excited and they're playing new England. And it's going to be like the second coming of 2009 home opener. And they throw a dud out there like that. That's just really painful. So we're not asking for much. We're just asking for competitive football, maybe throw, you know, throw a few touchdowns in there, you know, give us something to to cheer for. I think that's, what's a tough pill to swallow. So that's what kind of sucks. It's just, you're in a bad spot, but overall, you know, you expect these games from Zach Wilson. He's a rookie. He's 22 years old. It's a first year head coach, first year play caller. Like I get it. Um, You just really wish they wouldn't happen against new England. You know, I listened to badlands that the instant reaction, I think Connor Rogers said it best. Like you just hate that they keep losing to the Patriots for stupid reasons that shouldn't happen. And that's just what it feels like. Um, It's, it really is tough. They are going to progress. I'm not hitting the panic button. I I rarely do. It's week two. um, And I'll end with, I really believe that this game could have been totally different had the ref not blown that whistle on the first drive. That is football is a game of momentum that could have shifted it. You're talking about a fumble recovery that probably could have been returned um, on the first drive of the game for New England in a packed house where Jets fans are chomping at the bit to see this team again. Like that could have really swung the game. It, we could have we could have been talking about a completely different outcome had that call uh, or had the ref not blown the whistle. But that's my time, man. I'll yield to you. You were there. What are your thoughts? Well. It was fun up until the game started, you know, just being with fans, like, you know, seeing the tailgating, which is like the best part about going to the game, because honestly, the watching experience is definitely better when you're at home. But for me, you know, I was super excited. It was just, you know, the atmosphere of just being back. The last time I was there was week one, 2019. And then you all know how that ended. So that wasn't fun. But for me, it was like, you know, the first throw, you know, pick, which is like, great. It's like, it's like Sam Donald's at the beginning of his career. So it was, it was just hard, you know? And then the second one happens. I'm just like, Oh, great. I kind of got numb to it when the three and four happened. I didn't even really care. The third one happened when I was going to get a beer and I saw it on the TV when I was waiting in line and was right after all those sacks and that great defensive stand. And I was just like, it's just one of those days as a Jets fan, you're used to it. This is what we deal with. We are born to watch incompetence. I'm not saying I accept it because that's not what I want. But it's that's just what it is. And listen, he's a rookie. He was horrible. He lost in the game. There were point. There was things that you could point to in this game that were positive. And we touched on this a little before with Robin. The offensive line was really good. I know we got sacked a couple times late in the game, but it was more because he was just holding on to the ball. And nobody was open. The receivers really weren't getting open other than Barrios. Barrios was great. And I know everyone's like complaining. Stop giving him the ball. I'm like, the guy's just trying to make plays. He's just doing his job. Like, get off yeah. of the guy's back. It's just. It's crazy, but I want to go into some positives because Zach was atrocious. He losses the game. I don't think we need to go on it. You know, we're already a couple days out and we got to start focusing on what happens next week, but some positives. Uh, CJ Mosley was awesome. Like that was something that I was really happy to see because we felt like we were waiting to watch CJ Mosley play football for like five years. And it was literally two years. And 
it was different when I rewatched the game on TV versus what I was seeing. Cause obviously I knew he was making plays cause you can't miss the back of his head. Cause he's got like that reddish pinkish hair. Yeah. But when I saw him on TV, I was like, wow, the speed is there. And I know he lost a lot of weight and I was concerned that maybe he wouldn't like be able to hit as hard and just be as aggressive because he was a little bit lighter, but man, he did not miss a beat. So many plays. I know he didn't have any like, sacks or any like fumbles or anything, but he just was every single play. He was there. And that was awesome. Like, I was just super excited to see that. Same thing with May. And I know on this show, we've spoken how May, you know, we're like, do we need to pay this guy? He kind of justified why we maybe should pay him because we need good players. And, you know, the defense has looked actually really good both games so far. And they kept the Jets in the game. So, you know, there are things to take away. You know, the running backs look pretty good with the exception of Coleman. He kind of was a little, eh, he wasn't bad, but, you know, Carter and Ty Johnson definitely look better. But I do want to talk about one thing that bothered me, and I'm going to pass it back to you. The game is 10-0. The Jets actually have a good drive. They get into the – they get, like, first and goal. They have, like, the seven-yard line. I understand that Salo's thinking was we do not want to get out of the situation with any points. I get it. I understand your rookie quarterback threw two interceptions, his first two passes of the game. You are literally so close to the end zone. We want to score. But I'm sorry. I, I don't know if he, over, if he basically gave the green light for this. Running the ball three straight times from the seven-yard line, only getting to the two instead of throwing on third down, unacceptable. And I know LaFleur is getting a brunt of the criticism for how he's been calling plays. I really don't think he's the problem. Zach was the problem. The plays were pretty solid play calls. Like that one pick he had when he threw it to, I think it was to Corey Davis, he had Elijah Moore wide open. You could have just mm-hmm. threw him the ball. And, you know, we could be a different game. So that, to me, really bothered me because the difference between being 10-3 and 10-7 is huge because we didn't score a touchdown. So think about how <laughs> close we were, and we didn't. And that bothered me. And I remember I was talking to my dad because we're sitting next to each other, and we both were just like, why are they not passing on third down? Like, he And he was just like, he's like, they're protecting him. They don't want him to turn the ball over and rattle his confidence. But I just want to talk about that because that really genuinely bothered me. That was like really the only play calling issue I had because at the end of the day, in the second half, they're playing from behind. Zach was just playing hero ball. Interceptions three and four were ugly, but I – kind of throw them out the window because the game was really over at that point. So it was just like, whatever. All right. Yeah. I had my nice little rant. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I, uh, I'd agree with you. I think, um, you know, LaFleur, I think struggled in game one, I think he, against the Panthers, he held on to the run for too long. He ran too many times on first and 10. Um, and when the run game just wasn't working, he still was adamant about trying it. I think he got better in the second half. I didn't have as much of a problem with him in game two. Um, I do agree with you, though. I thought the the three runs from the seven or eight yard line when they got down to first and goal, I thought, you know, yeah, I get it protecting Zach, but that's also a roll of the dice because what if he, if he throws a touchdown, that gets him right back in it. And maybe that's the momentum swing that he needs to kind of get his head back in the game and start getting uh, getting the you know him back on the right path for the rest of the game. Um, one thing is interesting, and I was actually I got to give my buddy credit, but I have a Bills fan friend, and we were talking, and he said you know it was a very good point. So I said I was going to pass it off as my own idea, but um, it, it's kind of surprising that outside of that one two point conversion, they haven't run any RPO. Um, which is kind of a strength of Zach Wilson. That could be something to get him in the groove a little bit. And, and you know, you fake a run, you run with Zach, and you let him, you know, take a hit, get the, the butterflies knocked out of him, and, and, you know, you're good from there. So I think that's one interesting aspect of the game that we haven't really seen uh, from LaFleur or from Zach Wilson. But in terms of bright spots that you, you didn't really touch on, I also thought that John Franklin Myers played with his hair on fire as well. And it seems uh, like a shoe in that him, Mosley, and May um, – 
are the heart and soul of that defense. We're hoping that Quinnen can kind of come back and get himself back in there. I think maybe he's still dealing with the lagging injury a little bit or a nagging injury a little bit, but um, you know, we'll see how that progresses. I thought uh, Michael Carter and Ty Johnson solidify themselves as running back one and running back two and Tevin Coleman had a nice little run, but he should, he, I think he got three carries in this game. That's where it should stay at. The, the lion's share should go to, to, to Johnson and Carter. So um, I thought there were bright spots. I really did. Um, I thought the defense played incredible and considering that they've had what five turnovers in two games and have only given up four touchdowns. I think that speaks volumes to what Sala and Ulbrich are doing. Um, and overall, I thought <laughs> obviously Zach lost the game with four picks, but outside of that, it was an extremely positive game um, from every other standpoint, really. Yeah. Top 10 defense right now. Who uh, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And I know this, this point is getting brought up too. I know that Joe and Connor brought it up on Badlands, a couple of the TOJ guys on, on Twitter. There very well could be, you saw what the Panthers did to the Saints and Jameis. We could very well end up talking about this run of Carolina, New England, and Denver being the top three defenses of the Jets play all season. And that's a rough start for a rookie quarterback and a rookie play caller. So we'll see how it turns out. But that's, again, that's uh, this is a tough start going against a, a Belichick defense and clearly a good Panthers D. Yeah, agreed. And it definitely softens up after the Denver game because they're going to play the Titans, whose defense gives up a million points. They're going to play the Falcons, whose defense gives a million points. Like th- that could be really the, the moment when Zach really starts to kind of put it together because it's not as aggressive like from a cornerback perspective, but the pass rushes aren't as strong. But you know what? It's the NFL, man, and he could mm-hmm. easily show up this week. I mean, my yeah. expectations aren't super high. I, I mean, we're going to talk more about, like, you know, what we think what's going to happen later in the show. But, you know, I just don't think anyone should panic. Like, it's like yeah. we're in the preseason is that great game against the Packers. Everyone's like throw, hitting. Everyone's like, oh, he's amazing. Like, I'm on the Zach train. One bad game. One bad game in his rookie season. Second start. First home game. Probably a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Everyone's all out of him. He's a bust. Sam Darnold's better. All right. Like, come on. Listen, Sam's in a good situation. I'm, you know what? I was like a little bit salty that we lost to him. But you know what? He's a good kid. He deserves it. And I always thought he had talent. And I know you were a big supporter of his as well. So good for him. I mean, look, if the Panthers keep winning, the fact that the Jets almost came back and won the game is going to make them look a lot better as the season goes on. So I'll just say that. And I do think the Panthers are going to win tomorrow playing the Texans on Thursday Night Football. So a 3-0 Panthers team doesn't look as bad as, you know, the Panthers team of last year. So it's you just got to think about positive things. Another thing that was, I think, really good about the game the other day was, you know, just the corners in general. Like, I, I know they weren't tested. I know Mac wasn't doing anything. But at the end of the day, he was taking what was there. And clearly, whatever the Jets were doing from a secondary perspective, he didn't see opportunities to test them. I think he had one really nice like, drop pass for like 15 yards. That was great. But that was like really the only thing that they gave up. And, you know, they're young corners. Bryce Hall definitely looks like a keeper. And I know we talked about that with Robin before. So it's good to see that he's getting back to the form he was in before he got hurt in college. And, you know, like Gidry and Michael Carter II, those guys look like players. I don't know how mm-hmm. good they'll be, but – we both kept saying prior to the season, the corners are really the biggest question mark on the defense because they're so young and unproven and so far so good. And I think it has a lot to do with Salah's scheme. And I think what Albrook is definitely hitting the right buttons and he deserves probably the most credit on, you know, on the coaching staff right now, because I know Salah's the defensive guy and it's like his scheme and stuff, but he's not calling the plays. He's overseeing the whole operation. So Albrook definitely deserves a lot of credit for the work he's done. And, you know, if he keeps this up, he could be a head coach. And we're like, wow, someone actually wants some from our staff, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, I know it. It's uh, no, I, I agree. I mean, you have to grade it on the same scale that we're looking at the offense and Zach Wilson. It's yeah. two games in, so we're not going to sit there and say that. Yeah, Bryce Hall is you know solidified number one corner, but at the same time, it He's is con- considering what this defense specifically is going through from an injury standpoint and how they look through two weeks. You can't come you can't come away being anything short of impressed. Um, cause I agree with you. I think Bryce Hall's is, is he's looked very good. And I think the two guys that are, that are playing slot and Gidry and Michael Carter, the second are, are looking very good as well. And when you combine that with the fact that they're, I don't even, who was the guy that was playing safety alongside Marcus May? Cause I, Colbert. I <laughs> Colbert. There, there you go. A guy that just got off the street. Right. I, I, I believe, mm-hmm. or, you know, like that's it, this, the deck is stacked against them and they're performing and performing against, you know, Josh McDaniels, which is, you know, that's no easy task. Exactly. So, um, no, I give the defense a ton of credit. I'm giving the young guys a ton of credit. And hopefully we don't know what's going to come uh, on Sunday against Denver, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. Um, Zach Wilson can get it together and throw three touchdowns and no picks and the Jets come out, you know, Denver with a win. Well, we'll see. But uh, it's not it's definitely not panic button time. It's an extremely young team. You keep hearing it. Um, most rookie starters, most rookie you know, snaps uh, across the board on both sides of the ball. Like you're going to have growing pains. I just really wish that it wasn't a four interception game against New England in the home opener. I yeah. really would have liked to just seen, I could have stomached a, you know, a three point, four point loss, whatever, but to, to put up that stinker, that really, uh, that just stung. I think the saving grace that Mac Jones wasn't overly impressive. He was just fine. Yeah. It's like, if he like lit us up and burned our corners, which I thought he had a chance to do because they're so unproven, he didn't do that. So it's like, no. And everyone's saying he's like, you know, the, he'd be. The, I saw someone said this. He'd be the number one pick if they did a redraft. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Two games. We're two. Yeah, two one games touchdown. In. He yeah. literally has not thrown the ball downfield at all in two games. Like, let's talk about this when you know the off season's here about how good he really is. And it's yeah. in a good situation. The best coaching he could probably possibly get. McDaniel's yeah. one of the best offensive minds in football. Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. I mean, put Zach Wilson there. He's probably looking amazing right now. So everyone's <laughs> yeah. got to just. And, everything in context. <laughs> and exactly. And to go back to the Sam Darnold talk, I, I I wish him the best of luck. And now that the Jets are done playing, you know, done playing Carolina, I can root for Sam. He's a good kid. I want nothing but what's best for him. I can honestly say that I haven't thought twice about the move that the Jets made. And there's no part of me that's wishing that we had Sam back in a, in a you know, in that situation. And let's not forget that in year two, we saw a worse game from Sam against New England, where, where the stakes were even higher. Where you know the the seeing ghost game, I think he threw he threw four picks in that game, like maybe even five, if I'm not mistaken. So it was four. Yeah. You know, like let's pump the brakes on that stuff because it's I, I can honestly say that I haven't thought twice about it. And this is the quarterback. Zach looks the part. Let's let's give him some time to actually you know learn through yeah. this stuff. One of the plays that he made, it was like basically he almost got sacked, and he made this crazy juke move, and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, like that was impressive. Typically. I feel like when a guy is going to get sacked that easily, but from like another team, the Jets quarterback always goes right down, but he made a good play and got the ball away. I mean, it's just like little things, but something else he did was, you know, we were talking about this before we went live, just that one play to Elijah Moore. And I'm glad that Elijah, you know, made some plays. We got to see what he can really do, but man, that also was a play that could have changed the game because Mm -hmm. if he throw, if he leads Elijah a little bit more towards the middle of the field versus going towards the sideline, he's gone. That was a great pass. I mean, it's just, you got to make sure, like, when he has that much separation in space from the defenders, there's one guy to beat. I think Elijah's going to juke that guy and get to the end zone based on his you know, the video you took where he has yeah. that move. So <laughs> that was another one that you wish you could have back. So let's yeah. hope. <laughs> I, I agree. And same with, the, you know, obviously he wants the four picks back. Um, same with the one to Michael, Michael Carter in the flat. 
um, that he kind of rolled left, looked back right, and Michael Carter was wide open with no one within 50 yards of him. I mean, if, if he gets that ball to Michael Carter, he's still running. And at that point in the game, that gets the, the Jets back in it too. So um, there's definitely a few that he wants back. I will say, though, hell of an open field tackle by him on the fourth pick that he just threw up there. I thought that was impressive. Yeah. No more Braden man is the best tackler of the team. There you go. Exactly. Take the reins. (laughs) The funniest thing was, I think it was like like middle of last week, there was a video of him pretending to rush the passer in like a drill. And everyone's like, oh, should he be our edge rusher? (laughs) Like, no, please, everyone stop with these jokes. Um, But yeah, I think we should, you know, transition away. I think everything's been said. I don't even want to talk about Mims. You know, listen, you don't. What? I said, you don't, are you sure you're not, you're exhausted by the Mims talk. You don't want to regurgitate this again. It's just, <laughs> I'll leave it with this. Listen, we all want him to play, you know, we saw the flashes, but at the end of the day, we're not professional coaches. They are coaches. And if he's not cutting it for them and they don't think he's going to contribute in the ways that they want him to, that's their decision to make. He's a Joe Douglas pick. I'm sure Joe Douglas is probably like, why is he not playing? And Solomon him around these discussions as to why he's not playing. Everyone just stop complaining about it. It's a long season. He could definitely play again. Like, it's just stop. It's it's frustrating. It's like whatever. Like, I would have liked to have seen him play, especially because Crowder was out again. And it seems like he's going to be out again this week from what I've been reading. it's He had a setback on Friday with his groin. He's all fine from COVID, but we need Crowder out there. He'll definitely make things easier for Zach. But, mm-hmm. you know, just everyone stop complaining about Mims. It's two games in. He's going to play. Just And if he does it, he does not Listen. It's not like we haven't wasted second round picks before. I could go down the list a million times. It is what it is at this point. Yeah, but, you know, you thought it'd be different. I mean, I'm sorry that I, I derailed this here and then we're talking about Mims again. But I also thought, you know, Caparoso brought up a good point on Badlands today, which was, you know, you get you understand what Sal is saying with knowing each of the positions, but really they're not asking any of those guys that are in those positions to do anything different. They're not playing. They're not playing Corey Davis or uh, Elijah Moore in the slot. Barrios comes out, Barrios slot receiver. Elijah Moore is outside and um, Corey Davis is outside. So why can't Mims fit that role? I mean, why isn't he suited up? Especially, now listen, I'm not going to sit here and panic again because we're in a different wide receiver situation than we've been in years past. If this was week three last year and Mims didn't suit up, then I'd be sitting on the table, you know, pounding my chest for this. But I'm not going to do that. But at the same time, I just think they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth here with I get the special teams thing, but with him not knowing the other positions, well, then play them at the position he knows because the dude's 6'3", 215 with hands and speed. Find a way to make it work. That's fair. Especially when your target share is going mostly to Braxton Berrios and then, uh, you know, your, your Tyler Croft, the tight end, backup tight end. Like, that's that's what's frustrating. So yeah. I get it. I'm done. I'm exhausted talking about it, too. I just feel like there's a little bit of dishonesty going on here because they could find a way to make it work. And when if the floor was the offensive mind that he is and touted to be, then he should find a way to get this guy in there. Yeah. Good players always find their ways themselves onto the field. It doesn't matter if their scheme fit. I, that's a bad excuse. Let's, let's just stop. Talking about this because <laughs> I, I just, I like, I can't believe the things I see people say. I'm just like, get over it. It is what it I is. Know. We have other wide receivers that can make plays like, and Corey, yeah, like and Corey Davis sucked last week, but he was good week one. So like, exactly. Go. I don't think wide receivers are the problem with this team right now. So let's, let's, we'll end it yeah. with that. All right. Yes, I agree. So <laughs> let's talk about that this week's game against Denver, obviously going to mile high. It's their home opener. You know, it's a tough place to play. The crowd is ruckus. You know, the Jets have definitely had some bad history there. Um, but the one thing I'll say is, and I think, you know, the defense is obviously the strength of that team and they're missing Jerry Judy, who I love and think is a really talented wide receiver. 
you know, Teddy Bridgewater is a lot of what you've saw from Mac Jones. I know he's been slinging a little bit more this year because, you know, they have some more weapons than he's had in his career at times, but I'm not like overly afraid of him. And the, you know, I mean, Melvin Gordon's okay. And Javante's a rookie. It's obviously the defense on Denver's, you know, roster that scares me, but Bradley Chubb is obviously not playing and he's one of their best pass rushers. Vaughn is a hall of famer. He's great. Their corners and safeties are really good, but I think people need to realize that, you know, the Jets played this Denver team with a lot of the same pieces last year and moved the ball on them with Sam Darnold. So I don't think it's impossible. I know it's different. It's on the road and, you know, it's everything is a little bit harder on the road, especially now that there's fans are back. I'm not saying I think the Jets are going to win this game because to be honest with you, I don't. And, you know, I'm going to go into like why, like what my final score prediction is everything, but I think people have to realize it's the NFL and things can happen and you could look really bad one game and then you could look great the next. So I don't know what we're going to see from Zach. I think he's going to rebound a little bit. I don't think he's going to play like he did last week. And if he does, everyone's going to go into a legit like whirlwind of panic, which I don't want to deal with. But I think people need to realize the Jets defense is going to hold their own against some of these players that Denver has on offense. I think they're going to force Teddy to check down a lot more than versus going deep. But yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see some of these matchups. I want to see this defensive line. I want to see Quinn to make some plays because he's been disappointing. I mean, I know he's a run, he's not technically a guy who's going to get a lot of sacks, but he hasn't made his presence known. It's like, I didn't even hear his name called from the PA guy when I was at the game on Sunday. And like, to me, that's a little bit alarming. Like, you know, numbers we pick in the draft and you were good last year. Like, let's see you do something this week. Mm. Especially now that JFM is questionable because he has an injury that he mispracticed today. So let's just see what happens. What are your thoughts overall, just in terms of previewing this game? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I get it. I'm not, I don't have any expectations either, but do I think it's an absolute shoe in that that, that Denver's going to come out and kick our ass? No, I don't think that. I think it's all dependent on Zach Wilson and how the offense looks. Um, I I think that if they can play a uh, mistake-free game, which is a big ask for a rookie quarterback, but if they play mistake-free, then they should be into, they they should be in the game. Um, Denver's offense doesn't necessarily scare me. You know, their defense is good, um, but losing Bradley Chubb makes me feel a lot better about it. Um, And that's a good point that you I mean, the Jets basically, you know, they, they stuck with them and were in that game last year against, and scored points, you know, against basically the same defense. So um, Denver's a tough place to play. Yes. But I think it comes down to Wilson, the offense, how the floor, you know, calls plays um, and the groove that he can get Zach into early on. And I think the Jets will be in this game win or lose. I, I still think it'll be close. I think they bounce back. I think he continues with the run game um, and, and we'll see how that goes. The tough thing is too. I mean, it's really been kind of a tale of two different games here. So you can't really take any one thing that you've seen so far through two weeks as like the way the Jets are. Um, you know, you can't sit there and say that, okay, well, our corners are going to lock down, uh, you know, Cortland Sutton and, and Noah Fant and, you know, everything's like that or things like that. Um, you also can't say that the Jets offensive line is going to have no problem with the Broncos D line because we saw them look horrendous in week one and pretty good in week two. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do think they'll be competitive in this game. At least that's what I'm hoping for. But I think all it boils down to is if the Jets beat themselves. And I just have a feeling that they're going to play smarter this week, specifically Zach Wilson. Yeah, I think that this, the game plan is going to be a little bit different. They're not going to—they're going to tell them, you know, we're going to set up more easy throws and scripted stuff, especially in the beginning of the game. They're going to be like, just take what's there. You don't need to take a shot every time. Like basically, what I wrote in my pick six column this week was, you know, he said during training camp that there was a, like one practice where he basically was like, yeah, I want to see what I can get away with. He basically did that in the game. He was like, can I get away with the store? Can I? And he learned he can't get away with that stuff. Like he thought he could, it, you know, it's not practice. I think he's going to be a lot more careful with the ball. I think like something that they might actually incorporate a lot more is some more design runs with RPOs because 
I think they need to. He has that, you know, explosiveness and like agility that he can really escape the pocket. So I think that they do lose the game. I'm going to say prediction is, you know, like 24, 13. I think they score two touchdowns, miss an extra point. I don't, because that's just the jets because the line is 10 and a half. So I think that they will lose by 11 and not cover the number. And I think Zach looks decent throws, you know, maybe like two twenty-five, one touchdown, you know, maybe some rushing yards. I think he doesn't throw a pick this week. I think maybe there's a fumble or something like that. Maybe he turns the ball over, but I do think it's going to be tough for them to go on the road to win. I hope that I'm wrong. I mean, listen, if they win, I'm going to be jumping for joy. Um, but I do think it's going to be tough. You know, that crowd's crazy. Every time they throw an incomplete pass, they have a chant that I heard is the most annoying thing, especially if you're an opposing fan. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but yeah, I say, you know, 24, 13 Broncos. So um, for no reason at all, I'm just going to say that the Jets win and they win 27, 23 because it's the NFL and crazier things have happened. And that's just what I want to happen. You know, I was thinking about it the other day, man. Like I think the number of times that I've like jumped out of my chair with excitement in the last five years, I can probably count on one hand. Um, and that's, that's sad, right. Just because it's been so bad. Um, but I think it happens and I think Zach turns it around. I think he has a good game. Um, I think they play smart. I think they get the ground game going. I think we'll see more of Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. And I think the jets win 27, 23, because why not? You know, from your list to God's ears is what I'm (laughs) going to say about that, because I would be so happy given what we saw last week. Um, but the one thing I also will say is it's a late game. And every time mm-hmm. the Jets are on at four o'clock and there's more eyeballs on the game, something bad always happens. You know, like, except except for that Dallas game in, in the Gase year, right? Yeah. In 2019, you know, yeah, that I was a late game. Get blown out. I remember I was like, yeah. no expectations. I'm like, they're literally going to get crushed because played deck. That was that was awesome. And like Sam was, was his first game back from Mono. Yep. That was one of my favorite games I've watched in years. But <laughs> the best game that I think I watched in a long time was when they beat New England. The last time they beat New England at MetLife, when Decker caught that touchdown in overtime. Like that was yeah. like probably the last time we jumped out of our chairs as Jets fans because, yep. yep. you know, they had a chance of making the playoffs. So we don't want to go into what happened the week after. But yeah, no, I mean, listen, anything could happen. You know, you see teams that aren't supposed to win, win all the time. And I think if this defense plays the way they do, you know, can keep the Jets in the game. The quarterback is going to play better. What we need to see is to, you know, get a more complete game from the offense is, you know, somewhere in the middle of what Zach did week one, same thing with what happened with the running game and offensive line. They don't have to be like the perfect versions of themselves because that's unrealistic to expect a perfect game, especially with a young team, but don't be so bad and just be more in the middle. And I think, you know, results will be better. I mean, yeah. I'm just hoping Zach just doesn't try to force things. I'm hoping that the game plan is a little more simplified for him. Not Mac Jones-esque, but, you know, like short passes. And then, you know, maybe they'll scheme up some stuff where like a play action deep pass. But stop running the ball in second and long every time. That drives me crazy. I know that yeah. they weren't really doing that because Zach was forcing the ball. But that's just definitely something I can't stand. Yeah. And one thing, you know, the Jets haven't done in two weeks really is forced turnovers. I mean, outside of a, a botched handoff from Sam Darnold, uh, you know, down on fourth and one and deep in the Jets territory in week one, um, they haven't done it. And then, you know, one that should have been uh, on the first drive of, uh, of last week. But so, you know, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is not really the guy to make huge mistakes. That's kind of what, um, you know, what his MO is, is he's, he's more of a safer guy. Um, but let's say they get after him a little bit for, you know, get a sack fumble or maybe they do, you know, force a pick or two. Um, that's something that can obviously really swing the game. The Jets 
Jets haven't really done that in the first two weeks. So if they can get, you know, a couple of turnovers here and there, that could obviously change the momentum and, uh, and swing it in the Jets' favor, which is something that I think we'd all be uh, extremely excited to see. Yeah, just – I tweeted this today. I just don't want to be in a state of Jets depression when the 60 minutes teaser happens <laughs> in like the 6 o'clock hour about after the game. Like, you hear that ticking noise and there's just that dark cloud of the Jets over you. Can yeah. it be more positive, please? Like, just, <laughs> I just don't yeah. want to be upset about this team. Again. Get, exactly. Like, get, give us a chance at the end where it's not a two-score game and the other team, you know, kneels on it. I want to – just let me be in it until the end. Give us a chance to, to win it when the clock hits zero. That's all I really care about. Like, literally, if Zach plays a solid game and they have a chance to win the game and he throws an interception yeah. on the last play, sure. It's yeah. a rookie thing that's going to happen. Like, you know, you don't like you don't expect it. Like, I don't expect him to be like Justin Herbert. Like, that's just not going to it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't yeah. have, you know, the, the roster around him to do that. And it's a young team. And, you know, we just need to temper the expectation. We said this for a while, but we're impatient. And I understand why fans are impatient. I understand why they booed. I personally did not boo. I didn't really care at that point. The game was over anyway. But like for anyone who's saying that fans can't boo or it's like immature and be better, you're a paying customer. You're not yeah. getting a satis- like a satisfaction from the product that you're paying to enjoy. Boo all you want. And you know what? Zach took it like a man. He said yeah. they should boo. And I that's something that really encouraged me what, about how he can bounce back. And I think Salah has been handling it well, you know, in terms of what's been going on with him. It's funny how he made a joke about his mom saying how the receiver <laughs> should be playing, even though she doesn't know anything about football, which is great. But yeah. mom's no best, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, I think Salas, he continues to handle himself very well. Uh, I think Zach Wilson handles himself very well. There's one thing, I mean, after that, uh, that fumble that wasn't seeing Salas so jacked up on the sidelines, I just like to see that. It's good to have some fire back on the sidelines again for once because, you know, after the last two coaches, it was just so uh, just dead there. So I'm happy to at least see that he's got some fire. He's got some, you know, got some spark there and, uh, and gets going a little bit after a bad call. Yeah, no, I love that. Cause it, it was hard to see. I mean, I saw him like, you know, talking to the officials when I was at the game, but when I saw it on TV and just seeing it up close, I was like, yes, this is yeah. the guy that we thought exactly. we were getting. He was going crazy and his veins are popping out. I'm like, yes. I know, I know. And, and seemed I, like he was like telling them the rules, like, this is what you need yeah. to do. This is what you need to do. Like, yeah, I was like, yes. <laughs> and I know we were talking about it before and I hate to keep going back to this, but it, it really just bugs me. Cause that, that whistle was extremely early. I mean, you could tell, and he blew it. He, so he, it, it was early for the play anyways, but he blew it after Marcus May pretty much recovered the fumble. So it, it's just as clearly a blown call as you could ever see. I know you were, you watched it back. You didn't really see it when you were in the stands, but it was just, uh, it's one of those things that's extremely frustrating because I really felt like it could have changed the course of the game. Unfortunately, I hate to give you this reality, but when you're playing the Patriots, you're never getting those calls. Never they getting get them, a call. You don't. Shades the of Safari and Jenkins like that, that, yeah. You want to know the only time the Jets got a call like that? Remember when they played the Dolphins, I think the first year at Gase, when there was that pass interference call that they challenged and yes. they reversed it? That's yep. the only time I could ever remember them getting a call that they never should have gotten because that was a horrible yeah. call. And but. I didn't blame Brian Flores one bit for screaming <laughs> on the top of his lungs at the officials. He was absolutely yeah. right. That the Jets yeah. basically got a free win because of that. Agreed. So. Yeah, that's the only time I can remember. Doesn't happen against the Pats for sure as hell. Does not happen against the Pats. And you would think that now it's a rookie quarterback. It's not Tom Brady. They're not going to get those calls. But I guess in, until Bill is gone, they're getting those calls. Yeah, it's crazy. It yeah. really is. But any closing thoughts as we head into Denver, the Denver game? 
No, I mean, you know, this week was tough, but again, it's, it's a rookie quarterback. Let's, let's give him some time. You know, if, again, if he looks like this uh, next week, then, you know, there's, it's uh, geez, heads are going to roll and Twitter's going to be insane. Um, but still we gotta, we gotta take the lumps. They're going to happen. Just know that it's a long season. And, and Robin said it best. I mean, you hope that the way they looked last week, isn't the way they took come, you know, weeks nine, 10, 11, and to close out the year. So let's just hope we see progress. Let's hope we see they bounce back. Let's hope the coaching staff learns from some of the things that they've seen in the first two weeks. I think you saw progression from the floor. I think Ulbrich obviously is coaching his ass off. So let's just hope we, we see some things that they can kind of build upon as we get to, you know, weeks three, four, five, and keep going. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, as always, guys, remember to follow our show on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, let's turn on the Jets uh, TV on YouTube. Make sure you follow our podcast feed on either Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Uh, you get our show, you get Will's show. And draft season's coming back in a few weeks. Definitely don't want to miss that, especially because – we're always thinking about the draft because we don't make the playoffs. So <laughs> that'll be fun from the draft season, guys. Great content. And uh, last but not certainly not least, make sure that you also join our Patreon. I know we're getting very close to 2,000 Patreon users. And I know Joe and Connor are so appreciative of everyone who's done it. And definitely today, check out Connor's uh, All-22 film breakdown, especially if you're wanting to see how Elijah Tucker has been performing. He was awesome. And Connor broke it down really well. So definitely check that out. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the game. And let's hope.